Hooray! We are back in the football shed. My name's John Hewitt. Jeff King is here. Good day. Roger Gibbs is here. Oh, I've got a really squeaky chair. The squeaky the chair. Yeah. And Seamus the dog is here. So if you hear any snoring in the background today, it's because Seamus is asleep in the corner. Um, how is everyone? Are we good? Roger, you're drinking Peroni today. Yeah, it's like, a disgrace. You're an official beer wanker. Yeah. And you're drinking Peroni. What's going on? Well, it's been a little bit hectic in the Gibbs household and I was running a bit late and I opened the fridge and I either had a 9.5% porter <laughs> that I thought if I'm driving might not be a great idea or Peroni and I can t- I, I really had to hunt you know when there's something in the fridge and you're like I was like oh maybe that's a beer back there and then when I found it I was so disappointed it's been in it's just been overlooked for probably 12 or 18 months I'd say but do you, do you know I found um, so I, we like make pizzas we you know yeah. make pizzas yeah. so put ingredients on pizza and yeah. make Peters, and we chopped up some. Uh, to make the dough? No, no, we don't make the dough. I use um, flatbreads. There's mm. the there's the trick. Oh, yeah. um, chopped up some. This is this is probably six weeks ago. Chopped up some uh, mozzarella, yeah. and but there was too much mozzarella, so I put it in a little bowl, yeah. and it just it got relegated to the back of the fridge <laughs> for a while. And then the other day, I found it, and I was like, oh, six week old mozzarella. I was like, oh, it looks a bit funny, so I just fried it. Like, I just, I just, I just put it in a non-stick frying pan, and it slowly just became more and more edible. And I just started like turning it over until it burnt a little bit. Was it like halloumi? No, it doesn't work like that. It just okay. becomes like burnt crust cheese. And and so I let it cool down a little bit. I, I draped off all of the, the excess grease, and I just chomped down. Did you just did you have it with anything? Or did no, you just... I just ate it. <laughs> I like to view that as my version of cleaning out the fridge. <laughs> That's so gross. <laughs> you didn't feed it to your son, did you? No, just, just yourself. Yeah, that would have been worse. Um, but we are The Football Shed. Uh, we're a weekly podcast by us three English blokes that live in Melbourne. Um, we record each week in Jeff's shed, hence the name Football Shed. And in summer it gets really hot in here, so I have a feeling it's going to get sweaty this evening. Um, you can find us on iTunes and on Spotify. Um, if you enjoy it, give us a review, preferably a five-star one, because, you know, that means more people will listen when they've got loads of five-star reviews. Um, subscribe to it, tell your mates about it. If you want to get in contact, you can shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on social media, just search Football Shed. Now, every week we start with a question. I've got two questions this week. Do you want a question about Man City or a question about England? Man City. How many minutes this season have Man City been behind in the league? 12. Oh, spot on. I know this. I think this is an incredible statistic. It's ridiculous. 12 minutes all season. Behind. Yeah. Do you want the England question as well? Yeah, because that one's cheating. 12 minutes. Can you name the number of eligible England players that started this weekend, not including last night's games, in the Premier League? 35. That's so low, but you're probably right. No, 48. Uh, no, I'll say 40. 54, which oh. is 25% of all the players in the league. So it's dropped again. It's the lowest ever this weekend. Yeah, it's been so slowly, it's slowly, slowly dropping. So yeah, it's the lowest of all time is the 54 players that started. Four of the players who beat Croatia a couple of weeks ago didn't even play. Do you know what makes it worse is that that, st- that statistic is actually skewed by a couple of teams like your Burnleys and stuff as well, who basically have almost eleven English players on the park. Yeah. 
So in reality, the situation is probably even worse than that. Yeah, it's fucked. But anyway, Jeff, you won. So what would you like to talk about first? I'd like to talk about Tim Sherwood. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tim Sherwood. I, I have last opinions on Tim Sherwood. Well, any of them good? No. But that's the thing. I, I forgot all about Tim Sherwood <laughs> until I stumbled across a TV show last week. Where Tim Sherwood was was analysing some Premier League stuff for Did those punditry. Um, he was doing a bit of punditry, but it, it was a, it's a good TV show. I enjoy it, and it it goes into kind of in depth analysis about tactics and strategy. And Tim Sherwood was on it as a as a guest expert, yeah. which I think in itself is a is a stretch. I mean, yeah. it's not starting well, is it? This is the man who's proud to have never read a book. Literally, never read a book. Yeah. Obama says if you don't read a bit of a book every day, you're an idiot. Yeah. Tim Sherwood has never read a book. <laughs> So, Tim Sherwood was analysing the, like, giving a, a preview to the Spurs Arsenal game. And I guess this, this will segue onto the Spurs yeah. Arsenal game because it's definitely worth talking yeah. about. And I want to just keep this on Tim Sherwood. Now, I saw Tim Sherwood talk about every single Arsenal player and how crap they were. Yeah. And I saw him talk about every single Spurs player and how good they were. And um, you might have heard this because it leaked through into popular culture this week. Tim Sherwood was asked at the end to give his combined Spurs Arsenal starting 11. Yeah. You know what he said? Yeah. The whole Spurs side. <laughs> he didn't pick a single player. Not one, not one player. Not even Torreira. I watched it unfold. I watched it unfold. I watched him justify player by player why X from Spurs was better than Y from Arsenal he went through the whole teams and I was so chuffed to see Arsenal beat Spurs at the weekend picturing little Tim Sherwood's face sitting there at home on his own going, oh, maybe, maybe I should have uh, maybe I should have got a Bamiyang maybe he is better than Song whilst I don't like Tim Sherwood, you probably could mount a logical argument as to why the Spurs starting eleven is better, better in almost every position. He was asked to give his combined starting eleven. So what he's saying is, there yeah, is who there would is you, a, who would you, who in the Arsenal team is a dead, dead cert to get in? Abemiang. Well, you say Torreira, but you've been praising Eric Dyer a lot recently. Yeah, Dem- but Torreira's better. Dem- he wouldn't have got near if. Um, Dembele was playing like yeah. last year. So you're year. telling me you'd rather have Sissoko than Ozil? Possibly at the moment. Oh, you're an idiot. You're anyway, like Tim Sherwood. Sherwood was on TV. Read a book. <laughs> Tim Sherwood was on TV again this morning. Oh, he's loving it. Ozil's not playing. In the build up, got a new agent, hasn't he? Yeah, build up to the West Ham Cardiff game. Probably releasing a book. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope he is. Um, but it was the build-up to the West Ham Cardiff game, and uh, it was talking about Philippe Anderson. It was just like, oh, he's been really good. I think he's been a real bargain. And the presenter turned around and went, "He's the most expensive player they've ever bought, and he costs forty million." And he's like, "Oh yeah, but he's still a bargain, you know, nowadays." You're like, You're an idiot. He is an idiot. There was a point where on this same show, sorry, I know we're here to talk about football. <laughs> on this same show, they interviewed Adrissa uh, Gay from Everton. Oh yes. So Tim Sherwood managed him at Aston Villa, and um. So it was a, one of those phone interviews. So he wasn't actually in the studio. It was like, and it was a delayed line. So it was again instantly Tim Sherwood, who's an idiot, talking to a player with an accent, yeah. which is already Tim Sherwood's in shaky territory yeah. over a phone line oh, with a, so with a delay. You're like, oh okay. Yeah. So Tim Sherwood approaches this like Adrissa Gaze's best mate because yeah. he's managed him, and he's like. Everything's everything's above board and like super professional until Tim Sherwood has a pop and he goes, "Oh, Adrissa, it's me, Tim." <laughs> like delay. Oh, hi. 
That's my accent version. <laughs> and he's, he's like, no, Tim Sherwood, Tim Sherwood. Delay. Ah, ah. Hi, hi Tim. <laughs> like, you can see the look in his face like... What, firstly, who the fuck are you? Second, why are you why are you on my earpiece? I'm going to be talking to the, like this is a football show. What are you doing there? And then you could see that his heart, Tim Sherwood's heart, break as he wasn't recognised by someone he's just been banging on about. How he knows he's been blissfully the best trader he's ever had. What a cock fiend! So moving on from Tim Sherwood, um, should we talk about the game, the Arsenal Spurs game? What a game of football! Like utter carnage. Proper derby. To, yeah, you know, there to was like there was proper phrase. derby. There was proper bite in it. There was proper caring about winning. Um, Spurs were played off the park, in my opinion. Like they got back into it and were two one up at half time. I have no idea how. Like they had five good minutes, and then the rest of the time it was all and a dodgy penalty. Yes. Ah, uh, I can't. That it's not a penalty. It's not a penalty. I'm with Rog. No, I. He fell over. No, rarely with Rog, but I'm with Rog. No, I don't know. Like, <laughs> go on, <laughs> because he, he is going fast, and then he turns, and because of where the player is, he turns in a different motion to what he would usually turn. So I'm he fall he does fall over, but he has to change direction because of where the player slid through him. I'm just not having that at all. No, no. there's got to be contact. It's not There's no. Foul. Where's the contact? Yes, yeah, he, slid, he slid in, but he didn't actually touch him. So if I, if you were, like a penalty to me. If you were running through on goal, and I went up to you and just wabbed my hands in your face, going, <laughs> and is you that, fell over, is that a penalty? Is that a penalty? Maybe because you you would. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's no. A, so there's no difference. I mean, there's a slight difference, but yeah. it's in the same clown school. Yeah. Okay. Do you know the the thing? The first thing on the game I want to talk about was it, I I thought about us when I was watching it. <laughs> uh, in terms of the podcast, because we'd been singing Spurs praises last week, yeah. and you know how tactically astute um, Pochettino was, um, and, and you know how how well they played, and you know how they stymied Chelsea's ability to play. Um, and then in this game, he got completely schooled yeah. by, by Emery, essentially. In that, I mean, and. Uh, initially, I mean, Arsenal were clearly the better team, but then, like you said, it looked like Spurs went up, and then like, oh, here maybe old Arsenal would fold, but they didn't, which they deserve credit for. But I think the other thing was when Spurs changed it in the second half. I think like, Arsenal were just having too much space on the um, on, on the wings, especially is the mm. left back Kalasnik. Kalasnik, yeah. Um, like the the Hulk flying yes. flying down the left wing, um, and so Spurs changed their formation. But then Emery didn't wait. He then changed it straight away to counteract that. Yeah. And you know also made significant attacking changes. I think and Emery's really impressed me in the fact he's in that game he made two subs at half time. Now, if you've been the better team in the first half and you're unlucky to be a goal down. To then go, you know what, I'm going to make two substitutions at half-time in one of the biggest games of the season because I can see where we can make something happen here. That takes a lot of It would have been easy to sit. Yeah, I I completely agree. He could have just gone, oh, just keep doing what we're doing and something will happen. He went, no, here's a problem and this is what we need to do. And then those players were involved in the... 
goal yeah because yeah. he bought on <laughs> Ramsey and Lacazette and Ramsey didn't yeah. he and Ramsey got two assists yeah, yeah. I hate always one of my pet hates in football is is the substitution five minutes into the second hand second half yeah I think it, it shows indifference by by manager it, it shows kind of being too soft on your players it, like it's I just won't do this, it in the changing room I'll do it when you're over on the pitch exactly right yeah, yeah. It's, it's so when you see a substitution on 50 minutes you're like oh yeah. that's really weak leadership yeah. do you think they do it though do you think they I wonder whether they talk about it and they say we'll, we'll give it another five minutes but I'm th- this is the change I'm thinking of making but we'll just see how it goes That's but, what but you, you, can, you can easily not have the ball for five minutes yeah. so yeah. what have you learned apart from the fact that you can't get the ball back true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true well but often they'll leave it till 60 say that's the most common to give it a little bit of time the, to... the 60 minute substitution mm. is my second third <laughs> biggest tech hate in football Again, it shows no inspiration, no forward thinking. You have just been told your whole career, you've, you've been drilled into you, that if you're going to give someone, give them 30 minutes, so you know, they can make a difference in 30 minutes. If someone's looking bad, yeah. oh, give, them, give them up till 60 minutes. They might come good. Oh, it's okay. Well, give well it's that not minutes. wanting to panic at half time and, and throw the baby out with the bathwater and go, well, maybe we'll give it a little bit longer and then change it. But, but we, no, I, I but like if it's not bold, working, If it's not working at half time, then it's yeah. not working. And what we've just said, what you just said about Emery is that you respect the fact he made substitutions at half time. Time. So while, as a, while still being the best team in the first half, like it's easy when you're three 0 down to make two subs at half time. When they're two one down and have been the best team, clearly, the clearly best the best team to then go, I'm going to make two substitutions shows. I just think that's incredible because that shows he's seeing the game in a different way to everyone else and going, I need to do this and this and we'll win this game. Do, do, he's done that all year as well, and I think we, um, like we've given Arsenal a fair bit of credit this year, but I, I think. You know, Emery hasn't had a huge amount of time with the with the players, but he's got them playing. A, a, you know, there's a way of playing, and he is not afraid to make in-game changes yeah. and be pragmatic. And I think to do that, you've got to be a good coach. And I I have no doubt that if Arsene Wenger was still coaching Arsenal, they would have lost that game. How like how shit does Arsene Wenger look right now? Like that's the same squad of players. There's. Torreira's the one... But, but do you know what my favourite thing about that is? It's like a good defensive midfielder at Arsenal. Like, who knew? Who knew, who knew, that, was, who knew yeah. that was what they needed? Like, just... No, just get Flamini back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they are... We've Okay, so let's look back. I'm not going to get too hipster, but you look back in the last 10 years worth of Premier League football, we've seen transitions like this happen a few times where mm. a coach with a certain very rigid strategy and I don't mean rigid like defensive I mean they are very set in their ways leaves a football club and someone who is very different to them comes in and you see a team absorb the the skills of the new coach whilst retaining the identity of the previous one I would say that Arsenal are attacking like Arsenal now I'd say that if if you could shut your eyes and think back to Arsenal attacking 5 years ago 10 years ago 15 years ago you'd look at the same overlaps the, the same dynamic football is happening right now it's exactly the same football so so the the DNA of the players when you say it's the same players how can they be performing better you're right same players therefore their gut reaction when they're moving forward is to do exactly what they're doing it's brilliant to watch they scored that goal of the season so far in my opinion that that you know the it wasn't last week, maybe four weeks ago, went out on the wing. Oh, the Ramsey doubleheader. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That's an Arsene Wenger goal. But what's happening at the back and what's happening with, with changes in tactics mid-game and what's happening with substitutions... And grit. That's Emery. Yeah, yeah and fight and being fit. 
And it yes, sounds yes. sounds silly, but yeah. Arsenal were not just strolling around the park hoping to to you know Harlem Globetrotter it. Yeah. They're fit and they're fighting for first balls and they're fighting for second balls, and that wasn't happening under Arsene Wenger. So we're seeing this transition, and as I say, we've seen it a few times in in the Premier League where where actually it's it's of benefit to change coach yeah. when a coach has been there for a period to instill a DNA and you choose the opposite coach to come in what you get is something you can't produce with a single coach yeah, yeah. Um, on that Jose out um, <laughs> should we talk about yeah. Lucas Torrio a little bit though he was very very good Lucas Torrio was very good um, he's from my opinion he's the new Kante for the league like I think he does everything Kante does but also has the ability to score a goal which... 965 minutes he's played this year. Arsenal scored 28, conceded 11, haven't lost a game when he started. He's uh, 295 minutes he hasn't played. They've scored four goals and conceded nine. And he's five foot two. And 90% pass. Five foot two. That's amazing. Uh, five foot two? Yeah, he's tiny. No, he's not smaller than Fraser, is he? Oh. Five. I think he's five foot five. I'll check. Is he five smaller th- than Bernard at Everton? Because he's teaching 5'2 five, five is, is basically getting Whilst into the Wolf territory. Quick question on Spurs. So Spurs last week played Chelsea, Inter Milan and Arsenal and they came out with two wins and a loss. Would you walk away happy with that? I don't think it's a disaster that Spurs have lost to Arsenal. But do you know, I'm going to look at it a different way. Um, I didn't have Spurs in my top four at the start of this year, as you know. Um, no? And uh, we criticised, and I think I've been fairly vocal on criticising Spurs for not signing anybody in the summer. They've effectively had three big games in a row. Lucas Torreira is five foot five. Everyone, there, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> um, they've rested Toby Alderweireld yeah. for this game because they just thought he played too much football. I think Vertonghen is a is a much weaker centre back. It's he had a nightmare as well. Particularly when he's playing with um, uh, Foyth, yeah. a, a young guy. And I, I think this, if this game showed anything, it showed that Spurs don't yet have the squad depth um, to compete for the league. Yeah, I, I think I, I think that's the biggest thing. They were brilliant against Chelsea, and I just thought they they struggled to get up for another big game. And here's, yeah. here's the difference. So Man City played this morning. I'm not going to talk about the game, but Man City swapped out their whole back line. Yeah. All four defenders yeah. got subbed. And, then they still and John win. Stones and company, who company is probably their biggest liability they have in the squad. And he's, you know, he's yeah. a and, legend of the club. And John Stones strolls in, makes attacking through balls, and, you're like, and he's on your bench. Mares. You, you know... So that's the difference. When yeah. you say it's squad depth for winning the league, Spurs might have, as Tim Sherwood points out, a very good starting eleven. However, below that, Spurs do not have a, a title-winning squad. And Arsenal played; um, they did play away in the Ukraine on Thursday um, before the derby, but they played a second-string team. The only player that played in that game that played on Sunday or whenever it was um, was Holding. Everyone else was a like young player, and so they kind of were rested. Whereas Spurs. They played in, which is why I don't think it's a bad result for Spurs. Like they've just had a week where they've had three huge games in a week. If you came out of it going one-one, lost one in the league, and beat Inter, so still in Champions League, I'd be okay with that as a Spurs. I, I agree, but I think Pochettino is an ambitious manager and he wants to be challenging for the league. And if he doesn't feel that he has the support from the club hierarchy there to be able to challenge for the league, I think he'll go. And, and, and I do think they need. 
they need to spend some money if they yeah. do want to. We've seen what Liverpool Liverpool are trying to catch up with Man City, and they've spent big money on players. Yeah. And, and they've made they a difference. They spent big money on Van Dijk. Everyone obviously Nicole questioned well. it, yeah. and they're now one of the best defenses in the league. So it makes a difference when you spend the money. Obviously, it sounds obvious. Talking of uh, Liverpool having one of the best defenses in the world, they beat Everton one nil. Just Jeff, I feel like I need to go to you first for uh, what your thoughts were on the game. Um. <sighs> I'm, and I'm oh, sorry. I'm going to exhale with a with a head hang uh, because. <laughs> well, let's go positive. How good was Gomez? Gomez was brilliant. Although he's got to score that header. He's got to score yeah. the header. <laughs> uh, and and you, he's not actually your player yet. But <laughs> this week has come out that we are Way to put him down. we are already kind of knocking on the door. Supposedly, uh, Gomez wants to stay. Great. And um, as Silva said in his pre-match conference for the game that when you're listening to this has already been played against Newcastle, which I don't know what's going to happen. I hope we win. Um, he said there are three parties in a transfer and two of the parties want to come to Everton. Yeah, okay. So that's Everton and the player. So it's up to Barcelona, really. Uh, but that will happen in January, I'm assuming. Yeah. As far as the game goes, I feel like... I've, I feel quite proud of the Everton performance. I don't really want to talk about the Pickford shenanigans yeah. at the end because it just happens. Yeah, like, it just is what it is. It's, so, it's just one of those completely bizarre things. It's a freak like, not, not, yeah, not even the Pickford bit of it. it more bizarre is like, what the hell is Van Dyke doing? It just like, it's, it, and it just like it's <laughs> it's the biggest spoon I've seen and, this season. So I, almost, I, don't, I just don't want to talk about it because that stuff yeah. happens in football and and. You know, if you look back to when Everton beat Liverpool three one and Andy Johnson scored two goals, the last goal was exactly the same when Pepe Reina was in goal and he and he spadged it and hit yeah. it to Andy Johnson and he headed it in. It's, it just happens, um, and especially in games that are. It was the ninety sixth minute. Was it ninety fifth, ninety sixth minute? The whistle was just about to go. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, however, I must say, as an Everton fan, I think I was I left that feeling obviously gutted, but quite proud that for the first time in however many years. Everton didn't go to Anfield to set up shop and you know defend yeah. and just hope for something. They went with a, a an attacking mentality. They didn't fear the the occasion. Lucas Digne was amazing. Yeah. Um, I've not been the biggest fan of him. So he's he's um, he's uh, been nominated for forwards. Player of the Month for Premier League Player of the Month this season. So he's been shortlisted for that this season this month. Yeah. Um, Gomez is brilliant. Yeah. Yeri Mina looks brilliant. They so say the, the I know you, you look <laughs> at me. You look at me every that. time, John. But him and Michael Kane. He and Michael Kane are King. Re- King. Michael Kane. Blue his Michael name. Blue. His name is Michael Kane. <laughs> so him and Michael Kane. <laughs> uh, the partnership at the back is 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 getting better and better. And I genuinely feel like yes, Everton lost to Liverpool. That's yeah. the fact. However. As specified by Jurgen Klopp afterwards, holy shit, it was a good Everton side, best that's come to that part. And and it's a sign that things are moving in the right direction and it's not going to stop. However, from a Liverpool perspective, I'm almost pleased, and please yeah. like take this how you're going to want to take yeah. it, I'm almost pleased they didn't drop those two points. Yeah, we talked about it because last week. Because you look at the Premier League this morning and you think if, if Liverpool were two points further behind and Man City won... It's over. It's seven points. It's over. You're waiting. Like, that's what I hate as well. Because it's like now Man City are five points. And you're like, well, Liverpool, the one mistake a game from the season being over. So, that's what it feels so like. So had they it's... dropped two points to Everton, it would have been a very different thing. I watched the um, Liverpool-Everton game. I watched the extended highlights, the mini-match on Optus, um, without knowing the score. 
So I didn't watch the full game, but I had, didn't know what was happened in the end. Watching just the highlights, um, I thought it should have been a draw. Two like, all. Yeah. <laughs> should have been two all. Been like two both all, teams yeah. missed really Chance. gettable chances. Yeah. Yeah. But it seemed like both teams had a decent amount of chances, a decent amount of play. Both played well. It had a draw written all over it. Mm. Um, it is the kind of result that I can see come May... If Liverpool are still in the league or do win it by a point or two, everyone will go, oh, do you remember that weird little goal yeah. that they got against Evan? But do you know, the thing for me, like which you made this point, um, just being proud of the way Everton played, to me it just reinforced that, and you'll agree with me on this because you've got a lot of love for the man, but Marco Silva is a very, very good football coach. Yeah. And I to have confidence in your team but also your own ability as a coach and the way that your team are going to play to go to Liverpool with the way that they're playing at the moment and all the history of how bad Everton have been there for a long period of time now and not shut up shop and actually take the game to Liverpool and go with an attacking intent I think you should be proud I think he he deserves a lot of credit for that and he's you're starting to get things right defensively um, and, and I think that you, Everton are in, are in a good place because he's a very good manager. I think the difficulty will be similar to Spurs keeping your your very good yeah. coach. Like. The, the, the thing is, when he when he signed for the club, he said that he needs stability at a football club because he realizes every time he gets touted for a job, it's within the first year of him doing the job yeah. that's a bit worse because everyone realizes he's a really good coach and goes, "Oh, maybe you can do that one more," and that's bad on a resume. Yeah. That also, I think that what we said about Emery going to Arsenal, it's the opposite for what Marco Silva's doing. Mm. Everton were in a mess. And the centre-backs that he's chosen to play, Michael Michael Keane was <laughs> having a Tory time last year, was, was a shell of a man. Nice. Now he's a, now he's a, the player that was being touted to go to Man United when he signed for Everton. And then it's a brand new signing, it's Jerry Mina, that he managed to convince to come to the club from Barcelona. And the, the new signings versus the new signings of previous seasons have just been great. If, if Digne is going to be you know nominated for player of the month Bernard is a 5 foot 5 little rocket obviously with Charles and no one can question it. he's now starting centre forward for Brazil instead of Firmino yeah. and and Gomez is it, the signings have worked because they've been for a purpose and in reality that's you've mentioned basically half a team there so Mina Dinya Bernard Richarlison Gomez that's five players all starting and they're integrated into the team and they're playing well and what are we 12 13 14 games into the season to integrate a whole half of a team and a new coach and be playing well, it's quite it's impressive. impressive. Mm. Yeah, it's really impressive. The guy's done a good job. I'm not. I don't have necessarily high hopes about how the season will finish. I'm not thinking that this is the year. Yeah. What I'm th- for the first time since the money came in, yeah. I'm thinking that this isn't going to stop. Yeah. Like improvement is on the way, and I feel like there's no. We don't have to start again, 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 again. Which is yeah. which is a good thing. So yes, Everton lost against Liverpool, and credit to Origi. Oh. Where, where, where's, where's he, he been? been? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, we saw I, him play at World Cup. I was job. watching the end of the highlights. You know the highlights don't show the um, substitutions, yeah. so players just appear. And Sturridge passed the ball to Origi, and I was like, "Is Brendan Rodgers the coach again? Like, <laughs> what the fuck happened? Where's Ricky Lambert? Like, this, I was yeah, really confused. Yeah, but credit to him. Like, uh, for all of Pickford's mistake, there had to be someone there sniffing down his throat to yeah. to knock it in. So. Credit, credit to him, and for him, that's a good day. Um, let's go from coaches that are doing really well to coaches that are doing less well. 
So, uh, Southampton 2, Manchester United 2. Mark Hughes is fired and Jose Mourinho's a jerk. See you, Mark. Um, <laughs> for those you know, long-time listeners to the pod, you, you know that we are the Mark Hughes Appreciation Society and we're all devastated. I And, I, and there was a nice sense of... like I don't want to like jump up and down on anybody's grave or anything, but there was a nice sense of poetry to this in that it was against Man United. Yeah. Mark Hughes, very good player. Why is Man United en- legend? Enjoyed watching him at Man United. Don't like him as a coach. Oh. Won't miss his whinging. But just to, to rub that in a bit, he... Um, so he got sacked, but he got six million dollar, six million dollar, six million pound payout. Six million from Southampton. They he's made eighteen million now in payouts from clubs he's been sacked at. Isn't that a disgrace? He must be so good in a job interview. So he's been sacked from Man City, QPR, Stoke, and now Southampton, <laughs> and he's made eighteen million quid from that. So he's been sacked by crap teams, <laughs> yeah. made eighteen million quid, and he's still miserable. Still get, and he gets jobs. So weird. Uh, I mean, what are we? Do we? It probably was coming. His record has been awful. He's only been there nine months. He's only won two. He's the first manager in Premier League history to be sacked by two clubs in a calendar year. That's awesome. I love that fact. Um, But he, I don't know. Like, are Southampton in strife? Like, are they? You know, is a new coach going to come in and be able to change things around? Are they good enough, or are they in it now? They're in the relegation. It's early enough for them to have time to sort it out like they're only just in the relegation zone and the bottom seven there's four points between them I think Southampton need to take a step back and go hang on what's Southampton like the years of when they bought in Pochettino and then Koeman and they had players coming through there was an ethic and an idea and then they bought in Pellegrino Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got it right. Yes, um, and it kind of it stopped that flow. It stopped what was happening. Puel as well, and then oh, Puel as well. Yeah. yeah, and it kind of it. And then they, they sacked for being boring, even though they came seventh. Yes, and then they panicked and got Hughes in. So I think they need to go. Hang on a sec. There's talk of them getting the Red Bull Leipzig ex-manager has hustle, hustle, snus, snus. <laughs> <laughs> I'll Google his name. Very, very good, John. Um, and he did a really good job at Red Bull Leipzig so I think that's the kind of guy they've got to get in there's no point in them going oh if we get Big Sam in we'll stay up well they've already come out and made a a clear statement and they actually name drop Big Sam in terms of they've said that we as a club we're not going to go out and look for a um, quick short term quick fix manager like Sam Allardyce and they (laughs) they mentioned someone else and I, I we talked about the changing of the tide in terms of the you know the old manager roundabout that's my wild card and I I like that I like it does make it does seem to be changing that they're willing to give some younger managers a chance I'd love it if they were giving young English managers a chance but um I don't want to talk about Man United. Well, you well, before you get off Southampton, yeah. I, I, Ralph Hausenhutl. Ralph. Ralph Hausenhutl. I think they'll be fine. Sorry, I, I, I didn't, okay. I didn't um, chime in with my opinion there, but I think Southampton. I think they've got too good a squad to be knocking about the bottom three. I think they'll be knocking about the bottom ten because yeah. that's where their squad is. But I think if anyone comes in who understands how to train a set piece defensively, yeah. they'll be fine. Yeah. Mark Hughes has no clue. Never has. Doesn't care. No. He'll spend two hours looking at playing piggy in the middle and and having strikers take yeah, box shots from distance. He just he gives gives him a clap on the back and says away he's, you go. He's Lance the kind of player that plays himself when he does a five-a-side in training, so he can have a kick about with the lads. Yeah, 
So as soon as anyone comes in who has a modicum of, of professionalism, anyone who is organised or structured or is, who has read a fucking book, that <laughs> Not that, sure that club will will do well. Um, I hope they go down. Just, they, uh, I've got a vested interest. But. A lot of uh, ex-players uh, ex who've played under Mark Hughes have come out and just like, there's no coaching for defence. There's no like... Yeah. He's a clown. Yeah, it's just like... He's oh, like a bad go. version of Slavin Bilic who we've criticised for doing the same. He's, he's like a grumpy version of yeah. Slavin Bilic, yeah. which is all Slavin Bilic had was his positivity. Um, it was a good free kick in this game. I can't remember. Cedric... The, oh, that's the, a great free the kick. right yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, and my yeah. favourite bit about it was that uh, McTominay, who I really don't think is very good, yeah. by the way, uh, was doing the new uh, trick of ducking behind the wall. Oh, and he yes. was like peeking through someone's legs, yeah. ready to slide in case it went along the ground. So the footage is sort of showing that. And then Cedric just pings it in the top corner. Top corner. And I just, I don't know, I just liked it because there was that stuffing around at the back of the wall and yeah. the camera was like, oh, look at that. And then it's like, well, no, it's just a standard, really good free kick in the top corner. And then it, the video, the camera pans to Mark Hughes and he looks genuinely surprised. He's like, oh, this guy can take a free kick. And like, you should know your player. You're going to get fired tomorrow anyway. But can, can you just um, talk me through your back three during that game, John? The Manchester United back so three. The back three was Phil Jones in the middle. And then McTominay and Matic with the other two centre backs. <laughs> That's correct. So, <laughs> it is the worst. Like I've like we Man United play Arsenal tomorrow morning at seven a.m. And as a Man United fan, I want Arsenal to win. I just want Man United to lose every game until that man gets out of. Do you know? I read a headline this week and I thought of you and I really enjoyed it. And it said, "Man United are drowning in Mourinho's misery." Oh, like, what, what a good way to put it. Like, the thing is, I, I, I've, I've got a mate who listens to this, right? Yeah. And every time, every time we put up a pod, he'll like come over and he'll chat to me about it. And he goes, "Your mate John, he's just so miserable." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I say to him, "I'm like, well, you know, he's he's had the last twenty years worth of living the dream, yeah. and then suddenly he's realised what it is to the tap's to, been turned <laughs> off." Yeah, and I love every minute of it. <laughs> but my biggest problem with it which I kind of touched on last week is the fact that Mourinho bags out all the players and then says they're not leaders and then he called them not mad dog enough or whatever people play for the people that lead them like I said it about Southgate last week Southgate has made the England team into leaders and stuff if you look Man City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs they're playing for their coach you, even if they're not brilliant players you can tell they're improving as individuals and they care about it and none of their managers turn around even Burnley who are struggling Sean Dice. Sean Dice doesn't turn around and go oh, our players lack heart and they don't care no, okay, alright okay so uh, let me ask you a question if you go to work mm. right and you, you're a manager at work and, yeah. and you, you get a new job get a new job with a new company and you're really excited and you walk in you've got a team of 50 people yeah. and 45 of them are dickheads yeah right now you go to your boss and you go oh well you know, I know thanks for the job but 45 of these people are, are absolute knobbers yeah. so I'm going to do everything I can to motivate them and make them better at their job and that's my job and I'm a leader and that's great and I'll, I'll, I'll slowly recruit yeah. over, the, over the next year so I can replace you know a few of the knobbers with, with like you know yeah. great people yeah you slowly go throughout the year and results don't improve, results go bad, and, and, and you can only replace a few because your boss is going, oh, we've got tight budgets. And then after two years, everyone's looking at you going, where are the results? And you're saying, well, I told you when I started, everyone here is a fucking knobber, 
I asked you for more people. You didn't give me more people. What I've tried multiple different strategies to motivate these people. I've tried to tell them they're the best player in the world in public. I've tried to tell them that they're a dickhead in public. I've tried to crowd them together in different groups to, to make different cliques. I've tried to manage these people the, the way, as a people manager, it's your job to do. And yet still, after two years, you're telling me I'm doing a bad job. Where's, where's the promise you made of more people? Jose Mourinho has had more money than any other manager apart from Pep Guardiola in the league to spend on players. He's bought in Pogba, Sanchez, um, Lindelof, um, Matic, Lukaku. Like he's bought in by, by, he's bought in a lot of players and he's bought in players that these players I want. He bought in Mkhitaryan. Fred. got rid of them. Fred. This season. I forgot about Fred. Yeah, 50 shit. odd million. And, I after a while the pattern has to be so obvious that I think if you put that team under Klopp's tutelage or you put Pochettino in charge or Guardiola there is some good players there there is some weak links yes but I don't think they're that, that actually that weak I think I, I just think that his his excuse is shunned by the masses but it, but if you remove it from a football environment there is some reality no, I, I, I think there is a little bit in what you're saying but I'm only going to say a little bit because I think that Mourinho's has reached the end of his shelf life like he's he's got a shorter shelf life than other managers because he's so intense and the things he used to be good at he's not anymore and getting his players to go into battle for him was one of them and I think he's lost that and I I think he is part the biggest part of fostering a poisonous atmosphere at the club and I don't think Manchester United are going to move on until he goes yeah. Rashford got you back into that game Yeah, R- R- Rashford who is bereft of confidence dragged Man United back into that game because he cares no sooner had he done that than Mourinho hooked him off yeah, yeah. I just it's, it's, I just like I don't like I'm I'm bored of hearing in the media a lot of ex-pros going, oh, Jose Mourinho is one of the best coaches in the world. And, oh, he's done this in the past. He's done that in the past. I don't care. The guy's a bully and the guy just berates his own team and puts them down and has no answers. He comes out every week just going, this guy's not good enough. This guy's not good See, enough. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I, and from a footballing perspective, so if, if I if I go back and I say remove it from a football world and his excuses might be valid. From a footballing perspective, his, his excuses are definitely not valid because you coach people to do jobs. Yeah. You are a football coach. You're not a man manager. Yeah. But what he is complaining about and some of his complaints are man management complaints and there is a basis of a foundation of reality within that and I'm not saying that if you were a different man manager you wouldn't get a different reaction but the reaction he is getting with his skill set is not something he can he can change but yeah exactly he can't change it um, and he's just going round and round in circles and if like Man United players don't run as far as any other players in the league. Like, that's a fact. They're running less and less and they're not putting the yards in, they're not putting the effort in. Perhaps is some of that because they're told to do it for a style of play? Like, I'm pretty... No, Lukaku, just, just, is he told to just stand up there like I a totem pole? I think he's told pole? to. I think lack of motivation. If you're just not wanting to play for that guy, you just won't run that... When it's like, oh, should I close that down, guy down or not? No, I'm not going to. I just can't be bothered. Like, there is no enthusiasm. There's no... They walk out on the pitch and everyone goes, yes. They played young boys in the Champions League last week. The stadium's empty. Like, Man yeah, United damning, isn't never it? have an empty stadium. Like, that is a problem. Oh, last okay. thing I want to say on Mourinho 
we hired him three years ago or whatever. I said, on the day we hired him, in three years' time, we'll be in exactly the same position, but everyone will be miserable. We're in exactly the same position, sixth in the league, and we're all fucking miserable. Luckily, this is the third season we've done the football shed, and you can probably listen to the background and hear you say exactly that. And you also said we'd win trophies along the way. Which we've done. Which is, you're exactly right. Get out, Jose. Um, While we're on a negative train of thought. Oh, Oh, here we go. No, 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 I'd just like to continue it briefly. Um... Uh, we talked about English players not getting a, a chance. Yeah. I'll just briefly talk about the Chelsea-Fulham game, another London derby, and um, Fulham didn't disgrace themselves, but no. Chelsea got the win. But I more want to talk about some of the things that come out of that game, and that Ruben Loftus-Cheek was good, came on, 20-minute cameo again, scored his goal. That's now six goals in six, I yeah. think. Um, it's more been, than most strikers been, this been season. Look, it looks really good. Oh, to me, he looks, he looks lean, leaner than last season. He looks like he wants to improve. And, and we, You know we talked about Southgate. Yeah. I think for the first time in such a long time, there is a this positive atmosphere around England to the fact that you're to the point you're getting English players wanting to play and play well for their clubs so they can play for England which I don't think we've had for so long normally they've been happy to sit on the bench but he's come out and I I think he's really pushing to go in January at least on loan because he wants to be playing um, regular football Um, and Hudson Odie who I talked about the start of the year um, scored in Europa League in, in midweek uh, he's the youngest goal scorer in the Europa League for nine years. Um, looked good, scored, scored a good goal. He's nine years old. No, <laughs> he's the youngest scorer in the Europa League for nine years. It's a random fact, but I just yes. he's not nine years. No, no okay. he's eighteen. Um, eighteen and twenty. He's nine plus nine years old. <laughs> uh, but he did, is, that, did that in my head. He right? He's also he hasn't signed a contract, which I talked about at the start of the yeah. year, and it's sort of the the noise is growing louder that he's probably going to leave Chelsea because effectively he said, if you're not playing me, why am I going to be here? And there's talk of him going to going to Spain. And I think it's great. I like that these English players aren't just happy being on the bench and they're like, well, maybe I'll go to another country and I might get a get. And then because it's it's the first time we've seen young players, young English players doing this. Like I remember in the, you know, in the nineties and, um, you know, even more recently in the um, thou- uh, noughties, whatever you call it, now. Um, it always feels weird saying the noughties, but uh, you know, it was the occasional. You had like Paul Lynch star and David player Black that, and that, that yeah. went, Jonathan Woodgate, that, yeah, went, yes. Jonathan Woodgate <laughs> that went over to Europe and you know did okay. Michael Owen, um, yeah. you know, big names, but we never really saw it with youngsters. Uh, and and I, I mean I I'm loving it like and oh, I I like it that these players have come out and have said I'm if we're not getting it, yeah. I'm fed up with it I'm going to go and what happened last year in the Bundesliga changed everything so yeah. with with Reece Oxford Adamola Lookman J- Lookman Jaden Sancho it changed everything it was like you and now Jaden Sancho's rise to being one of the most exciting players in the Bundesliga is in one of the most exciting teams in Europe in one, one of the most exciting teams in Europe and starting for England. You're like, well, why wouldn't you do that? Or, or can you just sit on the sit on the bench at Chelsea? Everything's changing, though. Have you seen the the proposals for the loan rules that are going to? No. So, um, FIFA are toying with putting a cap on how many players you can have out on loan. Oh, good. 
which a club like Chelsea who have what the best thing near, have done in years. near 40 players yeah. out on loan and when you read them these are like Batshuayi Zuma these are first team players yeah. for any other you know yeah. top quality and they're out on loan so they're looking at putting a cap but the Premier League has kicked back and like as a unit and says well we, we would take you to court but because of the wow. amount the contractual obligations that we have to some of these players and, and the way you would force it into a fire sale by forcing it into a fire oh, yeah, sale means that the value of yeah, those players yeah. would go down so there has to be a transition period where you reduce this but this is in in talks speaking of things that are changing have you seen the Europa League 2? oh there's Let's not talk about the Europa League 2. That's the worst thing of all no, time. No, no, John, it's the future. The Europa League 2. Roger, you're looking at me confused. Have you seen Europa League 2? I haven't, but I don't thing. think I want to talk about the Europa League 2. Finish the FIFA thing. No, just I'm just highlighting that everything's changing. Oh, no. The world's um, changing. It's like it's like we work at that place in Dirty Dancing. Yeah. <laughs> what where, about... where, where everyone's not, not going on holiday with their parents anymore and they're going to Europe. What about if I talk about the fact that we speak sense? On the pod again, go back to last week again. We talked about Sari being uh, going yeah. similar themes, outwitted by Pochettino. Um, and there's been some, you know, there's been some criticism of him and Chelsea in terms of Jorginho's Gior- man has to mm. play him at the base of the triangle and he's trying to shoehorn Kante into this slightly more attacking role. Yeah. In this game, there was a moment where I saw the new Kante. So it worked. It worked. Yeah, it looked really good. He won the ball yeah, in a very canty way, ahead, yeah. but higher up the pitch, strode down the field, uh, slipped Pedro in, and Pedro scored. And I'm like, I could imagine Sarri watching that, going like tick like that. That is, you know, he just he should just play that again in the game to Kante. Talking of us talking sense, last week we got an email. Um, because we talked about the fact that you couldn't be offside from a goal kick. <laughs> and Jason from LA was just like, I almost stopped listening because you guys are fucking idiots. So sorry, Jace. We just had a moment of idiocy. Jeff, um, Jeff pulled us, Jeff pulled pulled us back into life. But you know, I was thinking about it. You know, I was thinking about it in the week, and I was like, I've never thought about it, though. No. Because you don't ever consider if you can be offside. Like It's not something... Because it just never... Eventuates to a scenario that you just don't actually think about. Dig it. yourself up, John. Dig no. up, dig up, dig up. What? Losing <laughs> listeners because of your ignorance, you do. Losing <laughs> listeners. Admitting your problems <laughs> is a way to heal yourself, Jeff. Um, but yeah, so we talk sense, but also talk utter nonsense. Um, is there anything from last week that we want to talk about? Or James to- Madison, I just want to feel happy just thinking about that goal. You know when you're like a kid in the playground and you score like a belter and you run around the playground and put your shirt over your head like Ravenelli? James Madison's goal made me feel like that. Like, not, I just- okay, all right. I'm sorry. I'm not paying it. You what? don't like it? I'm not paying it. I think you it- think it was fluky? No, I'm not going to say that. Well... Okay, I might say that. I th- I think that the <laughs> defender the defender got a touch. No, he didn't. He did. I, I he did. Wa- no, did. no, no. Did. I've watched this. Oh, that's what I thought. I thought he got a touch, but then when I have watched the goal a lot of times because it took away from the goal for me. I'm it like, did. this yeah, goal I mean. I'm not is not as good. It's, it's not like, perfect. It's like the one this morning, that random Adoni bloke for yeah. Brighton. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched the highlights of it and it said, brilliant individual goal by Adoni. And I'm like, no, it's crap. He just kicked the ball like 40 yards out in front and then ran and then defender gets a touch and he puts it in. If the defender gets a touch, it makes a massive difference. But I've watched this and it, the one where it looks like it's the defender with Madison's, it's not he nudges it up with his knee just before 
the I, defender I am gets convinced it. the defender got a touch. And then the composure to go volley in the bottom corner. Go on then, bloody Jason email. Tell me Roger's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I loved it. It was such a good goal. Um, we should move on to the Ballon d'Or. Um, in the good news, uh, Luka Modric and Ada Hergerberg won. In the bad news, the DJ Ugh. for the scenario asked... Ada Hergerberg, the first ever female winner of the Ballon d'Or to twerk, which is the most, like, you think you're making progress in the world and you think football's getting somewhere and the women's game's getting more coverage and then someone does that and you're just like, come on, people. But do you know, I, I think a lot of the commentary on this has missed the point as well in that, you know, there's it's been blown up and gone everywhere. Of, of course it wouldn't. But there's people that have defended it in terms of like, oh, you know, it's just... Just they were all asking, asking all of them to dance, and that's something I'm like. Well, she's a fucking footballer, and she's been recognised for playing football. football. Why does that mean that you... she would want to have a dance? I, I, I just, I just, it's missing the point. Like, just celebrate them for what you know they've achieved. Yeah. Just like when the um, when the gay Scottish bloke read out the poem in Four Weddings and a Funeral at the I, funeral I that and bit. said. And said, you know, because J. R. Alden, W. H. Alden, can can choose words better than better than me, I'm going to read out a poem that says how I feel. Yeah, I'm going to read out a tweet by Andy Murray that, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, that says how I feel. Yeah. Another example of ridiculous sexism that still exists in sport. Why do women still have to put up with that shit? What questions did they ask Mbappe or Luka Modric? I'd imagine it was something to do with football. And everyone who thinks people are just overreacting and it was just a joke, it wasn't. I've been involved in sport my whole life and the level of sexism is unreal. And, like, he is a person who's at the top end of sport and also in a sport where the women's game and the men's game are very, very closely linked. They played on the same night. Same night, same tournament, same areas, same countries, everything's very similar. And if he says it's a nightmare, then it's a nightmare. So do you think Luka Modric deserved it? Deserved it? Uh, yes. I, 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 I don't mind it because it's rewarding a player for international football as well, not just and putting more weight on that. In that Croatia had a very good World Cup, and he was he was the the star player in a team that did well at the World Cup. Whereas Messi was brilliant again for Barcelona, but Argentina didn't have a very good World Cup. Messi came fifth. That does seem wrong, I and, must admit. But the, do you know my favourite thing? Griezmann's above him? No, Neymar came 13th. I was like, yes, piss off Neymar. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Move to PSG so you can win the Ballon d'Or. Oh, you came 13th. No, I do enjoy well, that you didn't, you didn't think Modric should have got it? Yeah. Who would you give it to, Ronaldo? Uh, Salah. I'd give it to Mo Salah. Oh, I don't think he won. He didn't win. No, anything. it's too. That's no, but, too but, 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 Premier League. Okay, so, mo- so no, but it's about who's Real, the best player in the world. So, so I get Real the, Madrid um, won the Champions League. Modric was a key part in that. Croatia got to the final of the World Cup and lost the World Cup. Modric was a key part in that. I, I just think that um, that we put obviously we it's all about winning, isn't it? And that's what we put it on, and that's the, that's one of the reasons why we love this beautiful game and we strive for it. But I think if it's this isn't a team award. This is an individual award. And the best team in the world last year were Real Madrid. They yeah. won the hardest uh, international competition. Yeah. They won the Club World Cup. And they won the 
their league. They didn't win the league. Who won the league? Barcelona. Uh, whatever. They were the best team in the world. I'm mean, <laughs> just making a point. Don't get me for facts. I'm just trying to make a point. You they can't were... be offside from a goal kick. Yeah, fuck <laughs> it. Um, so if it was a team award, I get that you're including all of those measures. But it's not. This is an individual award. Who was the best individual player? Modric. I don't think the Modric was. I think Mo Salah was a better player over the last calendar year than Luka Modric. I think so. And I think that, yes, he, he didn't shine for international football, but actually he was the only Egyptian player that did. You know, so, so he, as an individual in that team, carried them more than Modric did. Modric no, see, is, I'd say the opposite. I'd say Modric carried Real Madrid more. And I, being, I, I like midfield players who are creative rather than scorers. And so, for me, it's good that not a Messi or Ronaldo who scored 60 goals. I'm just glad it wasn't either of those. Yeah, but Modric is a player who dictates the pace of the game and plays the game in a way that I like. So, for me... And he doesn't always get the plaudits. For an individual individual competition, which the Ballon d'Or is, which I hate in football, because we shouldn't have individual competitions. But if you're going to isolate an individual, I think Mo Salah individually had a better year than Luka Modric. There's some merit in that. Um, The women's football theme, just very, very briefly going back to it. it, I was going to talk about women's football before the Ada Herdeberg thing came up, because for the first time, the um, Guardian are running uh, at the moment of the <coughs> best hundred players, players in the world. Now I get really excited when this they yeah. they do this, and I mean I don't know. It's hard to know as much about women's yeah. football because we don't see it um, in the media as much. But I'm I was really excited to see that they're running that and yeah. to see and the top hundred players. Find out actually who are these players and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so I mean it, but it still kind of feels like one step forward, two steps back because for the first time they're running that. And you know, the day after it starts, you know, twerk you get the twerk gate, and you yeah. just—I can imagine, like you know, any any women that are competing in high-level sport are just like it's just just so over it. It's yeah. yeah. But uh, next year, 2019, is the Women's World Cup in France, and England are probably got more chance, chance of winning that than uh, any other tournament. Than I, two I, or three and, years. and Australia are also a bit of a dark That's horse. Exactly so I'll, I'll be interested in it. Purely for the fact that England and Australia are both. In big. my opinion, the best female player in the world is Australian, Sam Kerr. She came fifth in the Ballon d'Or. She's excellent. When you watch her play football, she plays like Luka Modric. Yeah. Yes. Um, let's go on to some quick predictions because we're running out of time. So tomorrow morning, there is a few games. May United Arsenal. Arsenal. I really want Arsenal to win. Like, I, you, you know, when Man United beat um, Arsenal 8 2, I want an 8 2 Arsenal. Like, fuck off. Oh, I'd love that, yeah. I'd love it for goal difference. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it'll happen. I, I can see us being some sort of scratchy United win. And then also tomorrow morning, Spurs Southampton. Southampton with a new manager and Spurs off the back of their loss. Do you reckon? Uh, no, nah, Spurs. Nah, got nothing. Spurs. Yeah. And then on the weekend. Um, Chelsea Man City massive game but do you think Sari is going to learn from his mistakes with against Liverpool or do you think Man City well, is going to this, this, we've not spoken about Man City and I'm, I'm definitely not keen to do so but this is <laughs> there is something right that when I watch man, I watched quite a bit of Man City today I watched a lot of the Man City game and there, you see things when Man City play that you don't normally see Oh yeah, I know it's boring, and I bang on, I bang on about it every week. Seventy percent possession. Okay, yeah, like I get it. It's crap, but I, I, you know, everyone's caught up with the fact that it's crap, 
and now I'm moving to a state of enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I reckon in the next month, the world will have the world, the yeah, the world will have caught up with my state of enlightenment by going. Well, when I watch Man City, I see angles that I don't see when I watch other teams play football. Which means I've been I, trying to tell you this, that there's enjo- there's enjoy. Yes, it's a machine, but there's also enjoyment in the individual well, I and feel collective like brilliance. In some way, I'm learning because I'm learning to see angles. I'm learning to see options because the players always are willing to accept those options. So, so when you see a, a centre back walk out for for Watford, he has two options. He can he can yeah. play it short, defensive midfielder, or he can play it long. And that long could be left or right. You know, that that's there is options. When you see John Stones walk out and a and a player's closing him down, like it's like the Matrix. He he can shut his eyes, experience the the meta world, and choose, and then his option can be I'm going to take it round the player, and then suddenly I've got another Matrix esque seventeen. Do you know, Edison did a no look pass this morning. Wow, when your goalie does a no look pass, Edison that's... did a no look. But this, but this is the thing. So, so I'd I'd love to watch a Man City game from above. So just watching the whole game as like from a drone or whatever to see all the movement and just to see the movement of where they go because it is incredible the constant ins and outs and going across each other creating triangles here. It's I do insane. believe that we this is a a point in football where the we're pushing the envelope. We're not. We're not doing anything. We're whinging about it every every, every week. We're, we're telling you how boring we're not it is. At all. This is. It's like when the Beatles toured the states and we said there were a bunch of fucking hippies. Ignore them. Yeah. That's what we're doing right now to Manchester City. And fair enough, they were a bunch of hippies and should have been ignored. But what we're doing to Manchester City is like, oh, you know. But then there's a point where you move past that, where I'm going to have to move past that and go, am I living through a period where a team is playing football in a way that? I couldn't work out before I saw them do it, which makes me feel like there are parts of this game, no matter how old I am, how many years I watch it, there are parts of this game that can still evolve to a way that shows me a new beauty, and that's something I've got to accept. It is similar to, I say it is similar, I wasn't there, but in the 70s when Holland and Ajax played total football, and they changed the way that everyone looked at football, there was always... A rigid kind of four-four-two, or there was they used to play with like uh, weird like fullbacks and stuff. But yeah, there used to be kind of two formations you played, and that was it. And then Holland turned up and went, and Ajax turned up and went, well, why don't everyone just play at every position? And that was their ethic: was that the right back should be able to play up front, and the forward should be able to play at left back. It changed everything, and then it just means you can move around. And I think we're another point where Pep and Man City are changing it. But Pep's done it three times now. But he's done it, I think, this, without sounding too wankerish, is the purest time. Like, it feels like he's Because he didn't it, have the... He's doing it in his way, and he's not taking over the European champions. He didn't adopt True. Deco, Ronaldinho, Messi. Rivaldo, Messi. He didn't adopt them. He didn't go to Bayern Munich and, and be the only the, club. The, pl- yeah. the players were a big part of that, too. Like, you know, Xavi and, and Iniesta and, and mm. Busquets, who were there for pretty much the yeah. whole time. And for me, big part like... Of that. Guardiola has never lasted three years or more at a club. He's in his third year. He looks quite calm and happy. Mm. He doesn't look like a stressed out, I'm over feel I feel like he's matured as a coach to go, I'm enjoying this now and I'm getting good at this and I'm going to keep getting better and better. David Silva, I think we un- underestimate him every week. He's one of the best players ever oh. in Premier League. Well, um, are we, is, we're going to move on to end feature. 
Uh, Jeff, you look like you got something you want to bring up before yeah, we go on to anything. Yeah, the last thing. So I would, would have brought it up during the during our Arsenal Spurs conversation. But have you heard the uh, the old Mesut Mesut Özil rumor going around at the moment? No, but I hear he gets back spasms every time he doesn't want to play. Again. Back spasm. Hmm. Yeah. Back spasm. Do you know? You're not going to let me continue that, Rog? Oh, I thought you'd finished. No, well, my point wasn't back spasm. Right, what was your point? <laughs> but I was just leaving a kind of an anticipative silence. Right. Okay. Do you want me to go again? Continue. Back spasm. No, not with the back spasm, with your oh, point. Oh, okay. Well, was, how about the silence? <laughs> it's like a Lannis Morissette. Um, so, back spasm. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so there's a bit of a theory doing the round at the moment. Why Mesit... Oh god, this is very painful. Is so constantly not there. Right, so when you play Fortnite, so Mesit Urzel plays Fortnite. Yeah. You know what Fortnite is? Yeah, it's, it's like, like a game you play online with loads of people. Kids do it and shit. Yeah. Right. So when you play against people, so all of these footballers play that stuff. Yeah. When you play against them, you can see how many games they play, how good they are, there's a score, which is why it's like ongoing, so like I need to get my ranking up and whatever. Yeah. Um so Urzel was on is on Fortnite. Someone has noticed that Urza has played 4,938 matches on Fortnite mm. at an average of 20 minutes per game. That's almost 100,000 minutes on Fortnite or 1,700 hours. Now, over the course of the year, when that's recorded, that's five hours a day. Oh, God. Jesus. Now... When I play computer real? games for five hours a day, my back hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. true. Yeah. I, I, like, I used to sit around like, in my pants. Yeah. That's what, when you play Championship Manager for like 14 hour stints, <laughs> yeah. you'd, you'd wake up with neck ache and shoulder ache. So It's a you, real medical condition. What are you, Meza sitting on a swivel chair, bashing out some Fortnite? Yeah. I'd hope. (laughs) (laughs) Bashing out probably wasn't the best phrase to use. And and, and suddenly suddenly you can't get off a training because he's up at two in the morning shooting up some spuds. Getting paid. I don't know what a spud is. I'm just assuming that's a fortnight. Getting paid Um, 350 grand. That's exactly right. So just you wait. That's going to be hitting the press soon. Good one. Um, Let's move on to this week's end feature. Jeff, do you have a uh, song for us? That's crap. I decided not, I wasn't going to say it. There was a lot of feeling in I that. I just went, that was crap. Um, last week's end feature, uh, you guys both lost. Oh, you're going to be smug here, but aren't you? someone won. I won with Fulham at plus three and over one and a half goals in the first half of the Man City-Bournemouth game. Um, so well done, John. $30, so thank you everyone for I won. So I'm just, just making sure everyone knows that I won. Um, what's everyone's bets this week? I've decided to mix it up a bit <laughs> because, well, because of my it's going so well. because of my glowing success. So instead of actually thinking about it and getting it wrong, what I've decided to do is bet on things I want to happen. Yeah, okay. I I, I feel like would it be better to op- bet on the things opposite to what you want to happen? No, because I've usually been betting on the things I think would happen and losing like thirteen out of fourteen weeks. Yeah. So now I'm just going to bet on on the things that would make me most happy. Yeah, okay. I would be really happy. If tomorrow morning Everton beat Newcastle and Arsenal beat Man United, okay, because that means that Everton would be two points ahead of Man United and Man United's goal difference would be worse. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, that's paying four dollars forty-one. Good bet. 
Yeah, solid. Roger, have you got your bet or are you frantically... I can go mine first if you'd like. Uh, I've just placed mine. Um, I am going to bet on Everton to beat Newcastle. Uh, and I'm going to bet Liverpool to beat Bournemouth. Paying 3.68. Good, solid. Um, solid I, week. I have bet on Man City to beat Chelsea because it's paying $1.80. And They're only paying a dollar eighty to beat Chelsea. Yeah, well, but whenever Man City, if you bet on Man City, you never get a dollar eighty for them to win. So I was just no. like, I'll bet on them because they'll beat everyone. And Everton to win, but against Watford in the Monday night game next week, and that's paying three thirty eight. It makes me nervous that I'm sitting with you two, who I know very well, and both of you are betting on We've Everton. All bet on Everton to win this week. That's I, a massive problem. I don't think that's ever happened in my life. <laughs> and Newcastle <laughs> lost three 0 at the in weekend, so Benitez will probably shut up shop. Yeah. And, uh, but you, your home record's good. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Has anyone got anything before we leave? No. Uh, did you see? Very quick side story. Yeah, go on. Uh, uh played somebody this morning. This, this is the best story. There ever was watched. a really, in, <laughs> there was an ingenious fan who the team they're playing against was uh, through one on one, couldn't miss, and someone in the crowd threw another ball on the pitch at the player, so they had to stop. That's awesome. I actually did see that. Yeah, yeah isn't that good? Oh, That's yeah. really clever. I actually thought about how clever that was. Yeah. Makes so, me want to take a football. Team. Diego Simeone did that in a Champions League game as coach of Atletico Madrid. <laughs> That's so dirty. That is so. It makes like Diego Simeone. It makes like West Ham fans really chuffed that their seats are so far away from the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> it just can't happen. But uh, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week. Um, as always, if you want to get in touch, shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com or find us on social media and tell your mates and subscribe on iTunes and give us a five-star review. And we'll be back next week. Thanks, everyone. See ya. You can't be offside from a goal kick. Really? Are you sure? Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. (laughs) 